Liberalism is insane. Welcome to the Kennedy Report. I'm Kennedy Hall. Now, we've all heard it before. Definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. I don't know where that quote comes from. It's ubiquitous in popular culture. I've heard it's from Einstein, but it doesn't really matter. That's not what the definition of insanity is here. And before I continue, uh, if you're thinking, are you making fun of anyone who adheres to any liberal principles and saying that they're, you know, out of their mind? No, that's not what I'm saying. We're going to get into what the definition of insanity is as we go on here. But we've all been infected by this heresy of liberalism. And in fact, Archbishop Lefebvre, who is not known as being a liberal, he jokes that when he went to seminary back in the 1920s, he himself was a liberal because he still believed the separation of church and state was actually a Catholic principle, but it's not. So, the definition of insanity is not doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result. That might be an aspect or an attribute of insanity, and that's what an insane person might do in some cases, but it's not the definition. There are various usages of the term, both in psychology and in legal framework, and with a lot of these terms that are used by psychology, the definitions are a little bit fluid because that's everything is relative and fluid in our culture according to the, you know, the popular culture. However, there is a consensus when we look at what this term actually means is that when somebody is insane, meaning they don't have all of their sense, they don't have their sanity, they have a break with reality. That's what it means to be insane, to have a break with reality. Now this can go from the very minor to the very extreme. People might think this only applies to people that are, you know, uh, God help these people, but walking around the streets of Toronto or something like that and talking about the aliens and their, you know, that person probably has lost their sanity, um, but it doesn't have to be that extreme. Let's consider just for a second what it would be like to have a break with reality, not living in accordance with the truth. Well, this means you go against what is real and you accept what is false. Again, it can be extreme. So... Someone who walks around, as I said, telling you that there are aliens in their backpack, that person is out of touch with reality, but so is somebody who says that when they die, they're going to download their brain into a hard drive and live eternally. That would be transhumanism. That's still insane, even though it might sound like science fiction. Someone who thinks they can give birth to a cat has lost touch with reality, just like somebody who thinks that when they're pregnant that she's not actually carrying a human being and it's just a clump of cells. That's also a break with reality. It's not sane. Someone who thinks they can jump off of a bridge or a cliff and flap their arms really fast and they can eventually fly, that's obviously a break with reality. That's not sane. But someone who thinks that they can continue to live in sin and blaspheme Almighty God, that's also insane because you'll not be able to actually live eternally because you'll, well... You're not going to go to heaven if you die that way. My favorite author, G.K. Chesterton, wrote extensively on sanity in his seminal book, I should say. It's called Orthodoxy. And he actually writes about how his quest for sanity is what brought him to the church. And he was using a more nuanced definition. But what he was saying was, you know, he was not a lunatic or a madman. He looked around at the modern world, as writing in the 1910s, 20s, 30s at the time. He saw things going crazy, morally, academically, whatever. And he said, well, there's, this world is basically losing it. I have got to find the ultimate truth so I can be perfectly in line with reality and be sane. And he talks about how his quest for sanity made him a Christian. And Jordan Peterson, the famed psychologist who I've written about before on the website, he says that being Catholic is as sane as it gets. He literally says it's as sane as people get. 
And he gives various reasons for this, but in his opinion, it's because Catholics, we see the fullness of what life for what it truly is, our concept of sin and repentance, revelation, sacraments, and so forth, understanding the cross and how we have to live and push through these things. He says that's really as sane as a person can get. So a world that has rejected God is a world that has rejected ultimate reality, and a world that rejects reality is a world that's insane. That's our world. Our world is insane, so how do we get here? Well, before I continue, please like and subscribe this video and this channel. Go to Fatima.org and see what we have going on to help you grow in your faith. And if you would, in your mercy, in your charity, please consider a donation to help us continue these endeavors. So how do we get here? Well, we have to talk about the natural order. So what is the natural order? Well, it's a telling sign of our world and the confusion that reigns that we can't understand first principles anymore. Causality, simple logic, and the priority of a thing's purpose, so its final end, these things are completely forgotten and given little importance. Consequently, basic truths considering the fundamental nature of things are lost in a sea of misinformation and error. Simple and obvious things, like the way men and women are created, male and female, are now doubted by so-called educated people who claim that we can shape reality by our own perceptions. I could go on with innumerable examples of this, with a litany of errors of our society, but I'm sure that everyone watching this is well aware. The natural order is a very simple concept. Basically, it means the truth of the nature of things. Human beings have a nature. We are body and soul, a composite of the physical and the spiritual. That is the truth about a human person. If somebody tells you that that's not the case, then they're telling you an error. Our soul is the form of our body created for each unique person by Almighty God, and we live in a world governed by the natural law. This does not only pertain to things that we would consider the laws of nature, that's things like gravitation, but it also means we have metaphysical laws that govern the nature of conduct, the moral realm, etc. And I'll bring it just quickly back to that famous psychologist, Jordan Peterson, who I've talked about before. And something that, one of the reasons why he's been so successful, and he's not even all the way there as far as a Christian goes, but one of the reasons he's been so successful is because he realized early on in his practice as a psychologist that he couldn't get people to thrive and get out of their despair and depression and all that. He couldn't get them to thrive if he couldn't get them to act morally. He might not use the same you know, language saying to stop sinning, but he got at the point that if people acted not in accordance with their nature, they would not be happy. So the laws of nature that we would consider, you know, gravitation, as I said, these are blind laws, and they apply uniformly to each created thing. You might even say that the laws of nature are things that just happen to something rather than those things actually responding to those laws. Think of a leaf falling from a tree, for example. If it's going to fall from the tree, there's nothing the leaf can do to change how it's going to fall depending on wind, depending on weather, depending on the weight of the leaf, and all the height, etc. It has no agency in being able to change the velocity or the direction it falls in. On the other hand, the natural law presents human beings who have an intellect and a free will with eternally binding precepts that govern right conduct. It's easy to see this in the history of civilizations. Think about it. Things like running away in battle, cheating your neighbor in a transaction, abandoning your family. These things have never been seen as laudable conduct by any moral code in history. Even the pagans before Christ, they still had philosophers like Aristotle and Cicero and so forth, 
and they all understood that there was a way to act that was virtuous, and there was a way to act that was not virtuous. And we find this in letters of St. Paul when he says, no one is ignorant of the moral law. It is the natural law. It's built into our nature. Now, it is true that moralities have differed a little bit. For example, you might have had some cultures where you could have more than one wife, but you still could not have any woman you wanted. There were still distinct lines draw. When you think about the ways you could act, that's actually very restrictive to the you know, infinite ways that you could conduct yourself. So, liberalism is against this natural order. How is this the case? Well, we have to talk about this idea called subjectivism. Subjectivism is perhaps the primary weapon that liberalism uses against the natural order. Another way that we would say the word subjectivism in our day, we might say relativism. Subjectivism, relativism, two words for the same thing. It basically means introducing your own personal freedom in the way that you define the nature of a thing by your own perception. So there's been various ways this has taken form in history, but whatever form subjectivism takes place, it's an attempt to not conform yourself to the truth, but instead conform the truth to yourself. I didn't watch this interview because I've got better things to do, but I was listening to someone talk about the recent, uh, what was her name? Meghan Markle, the princess and prince what's his name. Anyway, they had an interview with uh, Oprah, who was famous for that expression, you know, everyone tell your own truth. Well, there is no such thing as your own truth. I mean, sure, there are certain things that happen specifically to you. They might be your own story. But I remember doing this experiment with students one time. And I said, you know, raise your hand if you think that every man can decide what the truth is for himself. And all my students, you know, being good little students as you're raised in this day and age, oh, yeah, of course, you know, that's, that's what we do. And I'd say, well, here's the problem. My fundamental truth is that every single one of you is completely wrong and can't actually be true. And they'd say, oh, that's not fair, you can't do that. I said, well, here's the thing. Two plus two is four because it's four. It's not because you think it is. It just happens to be that way. And they would start to get it and they'd say, okay, I understand. So the natural law, the truths of the nature of things, we can't change those just because we want to. And in a way, thinking like this, this is a primary step in turning away from God. The reality of God, God's will in our lives, what he expects of us, this can't be defined by any man apart from God. Man is defined relative to his creator. We don't define the creator relative to us. The act of defining truth is reserved for God alone. Thus, when we define truth in a way that is contrary to what is real, we actually partake in the original sin. Think about it. Seeking to be as gods, as Genesis chapter 3 Verse 5 tells us. The famous philosopher Rene Descartes, even though people will say he was a great Catholic thinker, he actually was one of the early uh, progenitors of this heresy of liberalism. And he says, I think, therefore I am. That's his classic line, I think, therefore I am. Well, there is a way to look at that as sort of in line with Catholic thinking. I mean, maybe he was trying to say, the fact that I'm thinking proves that I exist. Oh, we can sort of see that, I guess. But the problem is, he's saying, the fact that I am thinking is proof that I am existing. So again, his own mind, his own perception, defines what his existence is. That's him playing God, at least in the intellect. What hubris for any man to think that his own existence is predicated on or subject to his own thinking. You can see how we start to get in these errors. Evolution is another common mark of liberal thinking. 
The ideology of evolutionary thinking surely applies to the biological and philosophical errors of Darwin, but it's also been added into the realm of truth. Basically, by this point, not only do we think that apes or monkeys or whatever unseen fraudulent humanoid thing has been you know, drawn into a textbook, fine, we've, we believe that, but we also believe that because our human nature, so-called, has evolved, that the actual truths of nature themselves can change. This subjectivist mindset basically means that, well, what was true for people 100 years ago, that's not true for us today. That's absurd. This is an error that liberalism promotes. The immutable essence of a thing does not change. Just think how absurd this would be for just, just a second here. Today, it is Monday, let's say. Or while you're watching this, it's Saturday. Well, what's true on Saturday is still true the next Saturday. It's still true the Saturday after that. If i sitting here, I have my blue cup, I take a sip from this blue cup, that's something that has objectively happened, and you've seen it happen on a certain day. You can't say, well, that was true 30 Saturdays ago, but we've evolved since then, and there's no longer any, you know, that truth doesn't apply. It's absurd. It's something that is real. It's happened. It's true. Time does not change the truth, as far as immutable truths are concerned. The pinnacle of this insane collective insanity is on full display in a arch-heretic. His name was, well, he was a priest, but he was Teilhard de Chardin. He argued this theological novelty, and he was applying the errors of subjectivism and the errors of evolutionism. And he basically said that matter will evolve into spirit. This is a diabolical error which plummets us into heresy. This demonic madness allowed the liberal-minded theologian to say things like, well, that's the way that the church used to teach. That no longer applies because we now know better. Or the church has changed her mind on that teaching, as if the mystical body of Christ could do such a thing. Ultimately, this era of liberalism, it gives us a false notion of freedom. You see, independence is the final liberal affront against the natural order that we'll consider just here. For the liberal, conscience, your own personal conscience, and the intellect, these are the sovereign ruler of each person. Think about it. There is a good place for your conscience if your conscience is well-formed, but goes back to the idea of that's my truth. Well, if I don't believe that it's right, then I will never accept it. Well, the problem is if you have a break with reality, you're not going to be able to think clearly about things. There is a truth in this, as I've said, but we do have a volitional sovereignty. We can decide with our free will what we're going to do in the day, but it doesn't mean that what we decide to do actually makes us free. You see, if we go against the nature of things, we have no independence. If we go against the nature of things, we have no freedom because we bring ourselves into sin. And the man who becomes a sinner and persists in this state becomes a slave to sin, becomes a slave to the devil. In the most basic sense, we can superficially assent to any philosophical or religious whim. However, if we do not conform ourselves to the truth, we will conform to error. Jesus Christ is not found in error. There is no eternal life without Christ. Thus, the unchained intellectual independence of liberalism is an invitation to cut ourselves off from the divine life. Ultimately, the liberal follows the idol of independence in a rejection of lawful authority, the primacy of the church, and even an independence from reason itself. 
We're actually finding that now. If you, if you look what's happening in the various academic sciences, there are certain things that are just objectively true, but they're trying to say that, no, that's only a vestige of colonialism. And they're talking about things like mathematics, for example. Well, I'm sorry, math is math is math. It doesn't matter who told you. It doesn't matter what country it's from. Again, two plus two is four. Liberal independence synthesizes the errors of subjectivism and evolution of both matter and of truth, paving the way for the delirium that we now get to decide what reality is for ourselves. No modern reality could more effectively demonstrate these errors than the legalization of abortion. The individual, independent of God, defines the value of human life for himself, as he believes that human society has evolved to a point of progress that allows for the destruction of unborn children. Perhaps we could end by saying liberalism is insane. It is a break with reality. So that's enough for the idea of liberalism today. We will continue with this in future videos. If you have liked this video, I hope you have, please like and subscribe to the channel and like the video. Please visit Fatima.org to see what we have going on to help you learn the faith and to spread the message of Fatima. And if you could in your charity, please consider a donation. I'm Kennedy Hall. Until the next time, God bless.